0: The following is a hoop bowl presentation. Oh yo yo and welcome to another edition of Ramble Ramble. I'm your host Corbin Ford. You can follow me on the Twitter at Corbin this is a HoopBall presentation, so you could follow HoopBall online, hoop-ball.com, or bring that baby back to Twitter, at HoopBallTweets. Today is Thursday, we are one day closer to Friday with every waking moment, I love it, the uh, 17th of June, and it is crazy. We had a crazy day in the NBA yesterday. It was the craziest Wednesday in terms of news that I've seen in a while, and it all broke just all at once, but... Before we even do that, let's start with, I, honestly, I don't even know where to start. You know, let's start with let's start with the first thing I saw today. Let's start with Chris Paul, or the first thing I saw today. First thing I saw yesterday, rather. We got to start with Chris Paul. The Phoenix Suns obviously took care of business. They were done early, just sweeping the nuggets and really waiting until, you know, the conference final starter here uh, coming up on the 22nd. But they did have a setback because, according to the Athletic, Phoenix guard Chris Paul has entered the NBA's health and safety protocols and will be sidelined for an indefinite period of time. They announced this Wednesday afternoon that he's currently out. Uh, They said they'll provide another update on the status on Saturday. So, of course, right now, uh, Phoenix is still waiting uh, for the winner of the Jazz Clippers series. We'll get to that in a little bit. And the NBA is yet to release the schedule yet for the conference finals. But uh, basically, a potential game seven for the Jazz Clippers will be on Sunday. Uh, Game five, Again, we'll talk about. So we'll get there in a second. But um, yeah, it, it was it was definitely a blow for Phoenix. I mean, let's say it does extend. He misses at best one game. Um, Cameron Payne is probably the quickest answer in terms of being the likely replacement. Uh, he's been that in any game that. You know, Paul has missed, and we saw that in the Lakers series, you know, when Paul was kind of laboring out there. Payne really gave enough of a spark for Phoenix, a a nice uh, point guard threat who didn't leave too much off the table, you know, coming in for Chris Paul. And really helped the Suns maintain or even build leads. But the good news about this as good as it is, I mean, you know, the Suns have been vaccinated, he still has to wait out, because more than likely, he like, definitely has it, it's not about contact tracing, is that the Suns have a buffer, because since the series won't start, you know, until next week, more than likely, he has a longer runway to clear the quarantine, now, the issue is if it's a 14, a 10 to 14 day absence, because then, you will be looking at this as disposing to a game or two, especially if they're playing every other day, or whatever the case may be, I'm sure they'll space it out a little bit more, but we don't know, It's it's very possible, and so, that's kind of big, you know. We'll have to see how this all shakes out. It's kind of funny how the Suns uh, and Chris Paul here are so kind of tied to the Clippers and Jazz in terms of how off the hook they will be. It's unfortunate for Paul. You know, the Suns, you know, for the most part, have been pretty good health-wise. And so to have that happen, uh, you hope he recovers quickly. But obviously, that would be a, another bad luck setback for both Paul and the Suns, you know, if he has to miss even a little more than a significant period of time into the conference finals. But speaking of bad luck, we talked about Chris Paul, for one, and now we have to go to Kawhi Leonard, and really, it's Kawhi Leonard and um and the Clippers. So you know, Phoenix Suns. There, I wouldn't call them a snake bitten franchise, but when I look at people who've been snake, spi- snake bitten, excuse me, historically, I look at Chris Paul, I look at the Clippers, and in different ways, they both have been hit. Uh, Kawhi Leonard missed Wednesday's Game Five against the Jazz, and he could be out for the remainder of this series. Now, he announced the Clippers announced Wednesday that Leonard sustained a right knee sprain uh, on Monday, and that there was no timetable. But more imaging needs to be done to determine the severity of the sprained ligament after the swelling subsides. By the time you hear this, we'll probably get some more information moving forward, but. Uh, according to Ty Lu, and this is quotes, we just know we are being optimistic, trying to wait for everything to clear up, get the testing back in the next 48 hours or so, and then go from there. Uh, and he had tweaked it uh, on a drive. It, it didn't feel like anyone had knocked into him, but he definitely went down. He kind of grimaced. Uh, you know, he stayed in, but then he didn't finish the game. And after the game, he didn't seem like he wanted to answer any questions. He literally just said four words. I'm good. Next question. But he did not travel with the team to Salt Lake City. Um... So we'll see what happens. And he's had issues, you know, obviously with his knees before. He had that quad tendon injury to his right knee back in 2017 uh, with the Spurs. But more recently, he's had issues on the left knee. And remember, the Clippers are already, out, already without Serge Ibaka, who had back surgery last week. And for all intents and purposes, is done. So it really goes on to Paul George. Can Paul George, you know, do uh, a Kevin Durant? type level performance for a sustained period of time. I'm not saying 49, 10, and 15, that's madness. But you know what I mean, taking on that sole responsibility of that star. Because the Clippers have a strong team, solid rotation players, a decent bench. But that one guy, you know, it was really more Kawhi with Paul George in that supporting role. And now it's almost solely on Paul George's shoulders. I mean, unless you look at like a Marcus Morris or something to pick up the sn- the, the slack, I'm not looking at Luke Kennard. I'm sorry for for saying that, but it'll be interesting to see how that um comes into play, and we'll be monitoring that because Kawhi being out, if it is a significant injury, and he's out for you know the remainder of this series and or the remainder of the season, that's not a good look, obviously, for Kawhi trying to recover back from injury, for the Clippers who you know are trying to win and make it to the finals in a year where with Brooklyn being hampered and Philadelphia and um, Atlanta kind of battling, and then you have Phoenix, this is probably as good a year as any for the Clippers to win the whole thing. So to have that happen, and this is just horrible luck, you feel bad for the Clippers. You be, I mean, I don't, but as an NBA fan, you do. Uh, you feel bad for Kawhi, and you just hope that things work themselves out in the best way possible for all parties. So we'll stay monitoring that situation. That is the latest update as of now. Rookie of the year. That got announced too. Rookie of the year got announced and it went to LaMelo Ball. And honestly, it wasn't even all that close. I am not going to lie. I was rooting for Anthony Edwards all, all all season. I thought that, you know, he had a rough start to his year. That's true. LaMelo Ball was a lot more consistent when he did play, but LaMelo Ball did miss a ton of time. Anthony Edwards had a strong second half, and Tyrese Halliburton was always, to me, that second, third spot. Like, he was always going to be third in the Anthony Edwards-LaMelo Ball race. And I wasn't looking, you know, normally rookie of the year is like, who scores the most? And I kind of went that way, I'm not going to lie, but I felt that Anthony Edwards made the most consistent, um, improvement in his game over the remainder of the year and that him playing as much as he did over Lamelo, who did miss a significant chunk and that's not really a knock on him in terms of uh just the season but that is a knock in terms of rookie of the year because anthony edwards played more of the year uh but you know what it's not like Lamelo ball didn't hit the ground running he did um he didn't really have too many hiccups and he kind of ran away with it he earned 84 first place votes he had 465 total points and it wasn't even close. Uh, from a panel of 99 sports writers and broadcasters, the other 15 first-place votes went to Anthony Edwards, and he finished in second place with 309, which 465 to 309, come on, we kind of see was a landslide. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, like I said, finished third. Uh, he had 114 points. And the way that they do this, players were avoided five points for each first-place vote, three points for each second-place vote, and one point for each third-place vote. And looking at the way you see it kind of sort itself out, LaMelo had the most first place, Anthony Edwards the most second place, Tyrese third. That's just it. Uh, with Anthony Ed, with LaMelo Ball rather getting that Rookie of the Year award, he is the third player from Charlotte to win that award. He joins Grandmama, Larry Johnson, back in 1991, and Emeka Okafor uh, back in 2004-2005. A ball average, 15 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, just under 2 steals in 28 minutes a game, again, in 51 games. And he led all rookies in assists and steals, and was behind Edwards in points and rebounds. Uh, he's the 7th rookie to average 15 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, and a steal and a half. I uh, I don't like those, like, 15, 6, 5 on a Tuesday, but these are more standard. Uh, and the only other the players to do that since the whole thing became an official statistic, uh, that being steals. Was nineteen seventy four. So you had Magic Johnson in nineteen eighty, Penny Hardaway in nineteen ninety four, Steve Francis in two thousand, Chris Paul in two thousand six, and Michael Carter Williams in twenty fourteen, alongside Ben Simmons in twenty eighteen. So that's not bad company at all. And I would say his best game uh, in Utah. His third uh, start, actually, he had thirty four points, eight assists, and zero turnovers. And despite missing 21 games, which again was a knock for me, he finished with the second most assists and third most three pointers by rookie in Hornets history. Now, again, the Hornets haven't been around super long. I mean, 30 years. But, like, that's still mad impressive. Don't take any shine away from LaMelo Ball for winning. Anthony Edwards will remain the rookie of the year in my heart. But honestly, if you look at the facts and the stats objectively, LaMelo Ball was the rightful winner. So, congrats to him. All right, we had some coaching stuff happened too. Yeah, we had some uh, some coaching things happen. Stan Van Gundy is out as a New Orleans Pelicans head coach. After one season, it's a wrap. It's over. Uh, you know, it didn't work out. The Pelicans definitely underachieved. I look at it like this. The Pelicans front office made some horrible moves in my opinion. With mismatching that roster, it was just front office mismanagement. Bringing in Steven Adams, who I personally like, but then bringing in another non-shooter in Eric Bledsoe, when you could have had the pick between Eric Bledsoe and George Hill, was just ludicrously stupid to me. Especially when you don't have enough shooting on the roster alone, and you're surrounding these guys as your uh, running mates to your core tandem of Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram you would think you would want more space, not less. So the fact that the Pelicans, in my mind, didn't maximize the most of their opportunity in making this roster around these two young guys and then underachieved, yeah, some of that could go to Stan Van Gundy. I mean, you know, the Pelicans blew a bunch of leads. They had a three-point lead with like 10 seconds left with the ball against the Knicks and just totally lost it. Um, It's not like Stan Van Gundy is absolved of blame. At the same time, this is a young team you didn't put them in the best place to succeed, and so their failure should be on all their heads. And obviously, the front office isn't going to fire themselves, but you didn't have to fire Stan Van Gundy either, especially one year after you relieved Alvin Gentry to bring Stan Van Gundy, uh, presumably to up their defense, and they finished worse defensively this year. Just another reason I I felt Alvin Gentry was just dealt a bad hand in New Orleans. Just not having... uh, a full healthy team for a while, then finally getting, you know, Anthony Edwards playing, then he wants out, then going and getting Zion Williamson, he's been out, and then finally just being dismissed. Yeah, Alvin Gentry probably wasn't going to bring the Pelicans to the promised land, but I didn't think he got a fair shake. And looking at this and David Griffin, you have to wonder how many times Griffin's going to be able to play musical cheers with his coaches before he has to answer to the ownership. Miss Benson will have to understand what's going on here because this is the third coach for Zion in three years now, coming up in the next season. Alvin Gentry for his rookie year, Stan Van Gundy for a sophomore year, and what's going to happen for the third? Backing up just a little bit, uh, it's also a problem for this young team because you're going through coaches as you're developing, and each coach with a different ideology, a different style, a different way of coaching. Uh, Stan Van Gundy kind of clashed with some of the younger players. It was reported in terms of his style and maybe not focusing so much on building relationships as much as trying to coach a team. But when you're, you know, coaching impressionable younger players a lot of that is on the developmental side away from the court as it is on the actual basketball floor and so that could obviously cause some dissension and apparently there was some reports of that so it wasn't a match made in heaven but did Stan Van Gundy deserve to be fired Uh, I guess it depends on where your mileage is where you know your mileage may vary on that because to me it's 50-50 the coaching was bad but it wasn't atrocious given what he had to work with and this wasn't a great roster then again, he did accept the job and stuff happened, so I don't know. But the point is, Stan Van Gunny is out. You know who is also out? Wizards coach Scott Brooks. Yes, that's right. After five seasons, the Wizards and Brooks have agreed to part ways. Uh, they failed to come up to terms on a new contract agreement, which opened the door for another vacancy this offseason. So you already have early candidates uh, kind of going into, you know, See how that job is. You got Mark Jackson, who always gets put in these rumors, and I don't know why. I just don't feel like that's realistic. And I don't, I just don't, maybe because I hear him talk on NBA, show, NBA Showcase, and I'm just like, nah, nah, that's not, I don't, it doesn't scream coaching to me. Then again, it didn't for the Warriors, and I guess they were half decent, You know, depending on who you give the credit to for that. Kenny Atkinson's also been uh, kind of swirled in there. Becky Hammond, which is kind of cool, has been in there. Sam Cassell, and this one is the neatest to me, Wes Unseld Jr. Remember, his father, the late Wes Unseld, uh, was a Wizards legend back in the day, 1969-1970, Rookie of the Year. Played really well for them, won a championship. Uh, I think is really cool from a historical perspective and a legacy perspective to have him in that conversation. And if he gets the job, that's kind of neat. But whichever coach is going to get there is going to have some pressure because Bradley Beal's in the last year of a contract. Russell Westbrook's going to turn 33 before training camp starts. Uh, you have a whole bunch of guards uh, and a couple of bigs and really only one legitimate wing. And you're not trying to really focus on development. You are trying to win. Tommy Shepard has pretty much made that clear of nothing else. So you look at all that, you take all that into account, and you got a little pressure. And so I'm sure the next coach... In uh, the next coaching candidates going into that job will definitely be leery and aware of that position. But that wasn't even the only move that was done today from a front office coaching perspective. Donnie Nelson, after being at the helm of Dallas for general manager for 21 years, parted ways with Dallas yesterday morning. Uh, yeah, a lot of that apparently the decision was made on Sunday, but a lot of that was um, stemming from just a, a just a flaming hot athletic piece and i'm not saying that in a bad way i'm just saying like how hot it was in terms of i'm talking about dissension in the mavericks front office between of course Sonny nelson and luka Doncic and mark cuban and who mark cuban decides to have in place of you know front office decisions uh former i guess gambling expert slash um uh, I, I I just recommend reading the piece. That's that's really just what I'm gonna say. Uh because it's it's a mess. It's a mess. But Donnie Nelson, after twenty four years with the Mavericks, parts ways. Uh Mark Cuban gave out a statement for whatever it's worth saying, I just wanna thank Donnie for his twenty four years of service to the organization. He was around before Cuban, just to put it in perspective, Donnie's been instrumental to our success and helped bring a championship to Dallas. His hard work, creativity, and vision made him a pioneer. Donnie will always be a part of the Mass family, and I wish him all the best. Okay. I mean, it's a lot going on in Dallas. Seismic uh, changes there in terms of maybe how the front office is going to move moving forward because Donnie being out is, is kind of big. You know, that's that's definitely some some front office tension, you know, and a lot of this goes back, as I was kind of mentioning, I, um, the name is uh, Harablos Volgaras, who's a well-known sports gambler um, and kind of the shadow GM, according to many uh, sources from the Mavericks' front office, outside of Mark Cuban, who called it total BS, and then Donnie Nelson quits the next day, so maybe where there's smoke, there's fire. Just saying. But yeah, it's a lot. That was another seismic change, because all this happened on a Wednesday, and it's like, What? But yeah, that that kind of does it for the news segment, which we spent 15 minutes on the news. Like, okay, I think before we even get started on the games, because the two games were definitely interesting, we gotta give a shout out to the birthdays. I gotta say that's one thing I like doing on this show is just looking at the birthdays of some of these guys, because you never know, you know, who's there and what stories they may have for each day. And uh, today we have Amir Coffee, who, backup swingman for. The Clippers. Uh, He will be 24 today. Uh, Doesn't play a whole lot, but you know, you see one of those guys up there, current NBA player. Gotta give a shout to him. And then Maurice Stokes, and Maurice Stokes is someone I'm actually happy to talk about. Um, Maurice Stokes, if he was uh, alive right now, would be um, 88 tomorrow. Uh, He actually died in 1970 at the age of 36. But Maurice Stokes, also known as the Cat was a power forward, center, kind of do-it-all type guy. You look at like a Ben Simmons or um, any of these point forwards nowadays, and that's sort of what Maurice Stokes was during his short NBA career. Uh, he averaged uh, over 202 games, three years, 16 points, 17 rebounds, and five assists per game with a 20-point 8PR, he was a three-time All-Star all all three years, all three years he was All-NBA, he was Rookie of the Year in 1956, Uh, he was the rebounding champ in 1957, and he made the Hall of Fame, and honestly, there's a lot to talk about Maurice Stokes, and I guess Jack Twyman while you're at it, but what I think about Stokes isn't just his play, because he was electric when he did, but it's really his life after that. Um, And it really starts on March 12, 1958. This was the last game of the 1958 NBA season. Uh, Stokes was knocked unconscious. He drove to the basket, he got contact, and he fell down, and he struck his head. Um, And back then, you know, they didn't have the team doctors and and the medical staff that they do now. Um, So literally, they revived him with smelling salts and returned him to the game. No checkup, no nothing. Can you wake up? Can you move? Okay, great, get back in there. Three days later, he has a double-double against the Pistons in the opening round playoff game. 12 points, 15 rebounds. But he became ill on the team's flight back to Cincinnati. And during that time, he suffered a seizure and was left permanently paralyzed. And this was an after effect of the traumatic injury he suffered just a a couple days ago on the last day of the regular season. He was diagnosed with post-traumatic and, excuse me here, encephalopathy, which is, I did pretty good on that, but a brain injury that damaged his motor control center. And, it was, it was tragic. Um, he had a lifelong friend and teammate, Jack Twyman, who supported and cared for him over the following years. Um, he actually became his legal guardian. And although Stokes was permanently paralyzed after that, he was mentally alert and he was able to communicate by blinking his eyes. And after just doing a very just grueling and taxing physical therapy regimen that allowed him limited physical movement He continued to work, and he actually regained limited speaking ability. But unfortunately, it was just so much. His condition deteriorated throughout the 60s. Um, He was transferred to Good Samaritan Hospital in Cincinnati, where Twyman continued to visit him and be around for him, Um, even organizing a charity exhibition basketball game to help raise funds for his expense. Um, And that became something that was an annual tradition. It uh, was later called the Maurice Stokes Memorial Basketball Game and was later changed to the Maurice Stokes-Wilt Chamberlain Celebrity Pro-Am Golf Tournament due to NBA and insurance company restrictions back then. Um, yeah, unfortunately, and he was so young, 12 years after he suffered that um, injury, um, he went into post-injury coma and um, he died at age 36 from a heart attack. And Honestly, it's sad. I would recommend it's a movie that I found just tragically sad, but also heartwarming and heart touching. Check out Maury. It's an older film, 1973, but it examines the life of Maury Stokes, um, his injury and his relationship with Twyman. And, um, you know, on June 9, 2013, the NBA recognized that by announcing that the two men would be honored with the annual award in their names. And it's called the Twyman Stokes Team of the Year Award, award which recon- recognizes the player that embodies the league's ideal teammate that season. And it's just such, it's 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 an amazing story, it's a sad story, um, it's a story of hope in my mind, because his impact still carries on well after anything he did on the floor, and it's sad because we don't know what Stokes could have become as a player, as a person, in general, but definitely check that out, Um, rest in peace Marik Stokes, again, he would have been um, 88 today, so um, with that I'm going to take a brief moment and then we'll kind of get into the games, what's happening y'all, it's me back again, just giving you a couple of discounts to help you on your way here, Proud partners of Hoopball. We trying to help y'all out. Roundball Ramble is all about keeping the good stuff going, and with the, the deals we got, it's good stuff. So let's get into it. The first thing I want to share with y'all: try y'all hands at sports betting. Finally, sign up for a new account at MyBookie right now. Go on MyBookie, sign up for a new account with the coupon code Hoopball H O O P B A L L and get a 50% deposit match bonus. This is your one time to do it. I've tried sports betting; it's not my thing. Every day I talk with my friend just a little kind of friendly wager over a dinner or two at the end of the week on you know predicting who's going to win certain games in the playoffs and everything and i haven't won yet actually i did get one game right um it was the one game the lakers won i think it was game three of the opening round but the point being it doesn't matter i suck but right now you could try it and get a 50 percent deposit match that's just coming in with a head start going on my bookie entering that code hoopball i say it all the time hoopball presentation h-o-o-p-b-a-l-l h-o-o-p-b-a-l-l also Hoopball's is partnering with the great folks of Manscaped once again. It's Lawnmower 4.0 season. So go to Manscaped.com, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D, Manscaped, all together. Use the promo code HoopBall20, two zero 0 all together. And why is the 20 important? Because you get 20% off your order plus free shipping. I've already used Lawnmower 4.0. I've used the Crop Mops. I've even used their cologne. And let me tell you, Manscaped got it going on, okay? Once I get myself a girlfriend again, she's going to know all about what Manscaped is, okay? That's all I'm going to say right there. But it's an amazing product. It's an amazing service. The free shipping is, a, is just amazing, again. And the 20% off your order, come on now. Who doesn't want to save a little moolah? So check that out. Lawnmower 4.0 season. Use the promo code HoopBall. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-20. 20 2 zero, all together. And just take advantage of these discounts, y'all. This is what we got going on. Get it. Let's go. <laughs> so game five of the Sixers versus Hawks. Pivotal game in Philadelphia. And... You know, I was thinking to myself, whoever kind of comes in with this game, I know this five games are swings, like game fives are swing games, but whoever comes in on this could kind of take control of the series. And I was leaning toward Philadelphia, but I was wrong. Uh, Philadelphia fell apart in the second half of Monday's game on the road, and they looked to bounce back last night. They were in front of their home crowd. They came from the jump and were just on fire. They played loose. They found a nice little flow. They dominated the Hawks. It was 38-24 at the end of the first quarter. Joel Embiid, remember, he went 4-20. In game four, 0-10 the second half. Shot a perfect 8-for-8 eight eight from the field for 17 points to start. They rode that hot hand in the first quarter. They were locking down the Hawks on defense. Heading to halftime, the Sixers led 62-40. to 62-40. It was something else. 76ers were just 24 minutes away. They were almost there. But guess what? A team that's young, a team that's scrappy, a team that kept fighting in Atlanta just kept going and going and going at it. Uh, Third quarter was kind of a back-and-forth battle. Definitely fun. You had Seth Curry, who went off 36 points and Trey Young, but who really came off and did some damage? Sweet Lou Williams. Came off the bench, spent on the entire fourth quarter playing, and hit six of his eight shots for 13 points. They couldn't stop him. Meanwhile, you know, Seth Curry was cooking, but nobody else could really get it going for Philadelphia. Joel Embiid just slowed down tremendously labored a little bit, had a rough fall, looked even more injured than he already is, only drained one of his five shots from the field in the final 10 minutes. Ben Simmons was the only other player to score points in the fourth quarter whose names weren't Seth Curry or Joel Embiid, and he had just two points off of four free throws. And what was almost, like, was kind of pathetic. He got fouled, you know, intentionally went to the line, made well free throws, and the crowd went wild in Philadelphia. And it was like, come on, man, it's free throws. I get it, you know, he struggles with them. It's a sort of story understandably, he went got fouled the line for a reason, but we cheering like we won the championship because your boy hit some free throws, like, <laughs> like, come on now, is that, is this really what we doing, but unfortunately, it is really what they were doing, so, that was, uh that was interesting, but bottom line, the Hawks clawed back, they just did. Remember, Sixers were up by as much as twenty-six. The Hawks outscored Philly from that moment, 69 to 44 over the final two quarters. And they stunned the Sixers at the Wells Fargo Center for the second time this series, 109-106. And now it's winner go home back in Atlanta for game six. That that's that's crazy. Now they did beat Atlanta last Friday, but this team so far, the Hawks have shifted. All momentum, and they were led by Trey Young, 39 points, seven assists. Uh, Joel Embiid, like I said, he started hot and he cooled off, but the style line was still impressive 37 points, 13 boards, five assists. Um, Seth Curry was really the hero here, like I said, 36 points, seven rebounds, didn't have an assist, but that's not why he's in the game. He was 13, 19 from the field, he was seven or 12 from three. That was it. Okay, Furkan Korkmaz had 8 points on 28% shooting, not great. Ben Simmons, 8 points, 2 of 4 from the field, 4 of 14 total from the free throw line. So, you know you're not getting nothing there. Uh, You barely saw minutes from George Hill and Shake Milton. Tobias Harris did not have a great game. In 37 minutes, he had 4 points on 2 of 11 shooting. What is that doing? You're on a playing team right now, Philadelphia, that is started for shot creators. Seth Curry put 36 on his own back. Joel Embiid came with a big performance, and your other guys... Combined for 20, your starters. Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, and four Concord miles combined for 20. Off the bench, even less, 13. Like, that's not great. That's not great at all. It's not winning basketball, to be sure. And they deserve to lose this game to the Hawks, just like the Bucks deserve to lose two nights ago to the Nets. Kevin Hurd didn't play well at all. 27 minutes one assist, two rebounds, made a horrible pass toward the closing seconds that could have been stolen and given Philadelphia a chance to tie the game, but unfortunately, multi-styable slipped. Uh, he was just rough, 0-7 from the field, 0-4 from three. But guys who did play well, aside from, of course, Trey Young, uh, Danilo Gallinari had a great game, 16 points, 8 rebounds, 6-10 from the field, knocked down three threes. Um, John Collins played well, double-double, 19 points, 11 boards, hit three threes, including a crazy banked one. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovic did not have a great game, 6 points on 9 shots, 3 rebounds, no assists. Uh, but the guy for me, the hero, the MVP of this game for me, sweet Lou Williams. 22 minutes. 15 points, 7-11 from the field, two rebounds, three assists, completely turned the tide in the fourth quarter, really was the key in helping Atlanta storm back and win this game. And now the 76ers are shocked, and they have questions. They have questions. Will Tobias Harris bounce back in a big way? Because this was not a good game. Can Joel Embiid, being beaten up as he is already, continue to have a strong performance? Because he played well. Are you going to get another great game like you did from Seth Curry? Because, I mean, you're not getting 36 points, but can you get 17? You still don't have Danny Green in this game, or in this series, rather. What's going to happen on that end for Philadelphia? Ben Simmons is what you're getting. That's what you're getting. Maybe he can be more aggressive, but I, I, I just don't see it right now. And if they lose this, if they lose, it's over. Game six is literally winner go home. If that's a loss, that's that's a wrap for their season, and there are questions moving forward on the Joel B Ben Simmons fit on the roster around Philadelphia, because for the third straight iteration, they would not have found the proper pieces to go around those two. I think Doc Rivers would be safe, but he just got there. And honestly, I mean, if you look at what happened to Sam Van Gundy, maybe no one is safe. Under achieving Philadelphia, a team that should be able to beat this Atlanta Hawks squad. At the same time, the Hawks are plucky right now. They scrappy, they playing hard, they making things happen. So you got to give them credit where credit is due. And now they're going back, as Trey Young said, to the A. So we'll have to see how they play. See what I did there? <laughs> okay, I'm going to see myself how. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, when it came to the Clippers versus the Jazz, Paul George Believe it or not, yes, Paul George had his Kevin Durant moment. Crazy to say. I completely understand, but I kid you not, he did. <laughs> it wasn't quite 49-10-15. and 15. Or 49-15-10, and 10, rather. No, I had it right the first time. No, I had it right. 49-15-10, and 10, it was not that. What it was, though, was 37 huge points and 16 momentous rebounds to lead the Clippers to a 119-111 win over the Utah Jazz in a pivotal Game 5 missing Kawhi Leonard like we already talked about he didn't do it alone Marcus Moore scored 25 Reggie Jackson had 22 and this helped LA win his third straight game and pushed Utah one game away from going home the Clippers shot 51% from the field again without Kawhi the Jazz though they definitely balled I mean just to start the Jazz shot 13 of 18 from the field overall in the first quarter. They made a franchise record 10 three-pointers in that quarter as well. And Bojan Badanovich loved the way. He went 6 of 7 from out there, tying an NBA postseason record for most three-pointers made in a single quarter. And then he scored the last four outside baskets on four straight possessions to put Utah up by six. And Utah kept the barrage going in the second quarter. They were 17 of 30 from three-point range before halftime. And that helped them to build up a 10-point lead during the quarter. They finally went up 56 to 46. But L.A., show poise. They came back, they weathered the storm, and they really got ahead early in the third quarter and kind of maintained the lead they wouldn't relinquish. The Clippers opened the second half on a twenty three to nine run. They had back to back threes from Paul George and Terrence Mann. That made it a nine point game midway through the quarter and that was it. Uh speaking of Terrence Mann, not only did he get his first career start in a playoff game, you know, in place of Leonard, but he scored thirteen points, had two steals, and two of those thirteen points he straight up demolished. Just completely obliterated Rudy Gobert on a dunk. He got chased off the three-point line from the corner, kind of attacked the basket, started to elevate over Gobert. I honestly thought Gobert was going to block him, and instead, 100% yammed on him. It was insane. As, as um, uh, Danny LaRue said on Twitter, that was a man's dunk. <laughs> Get it? But, I mean, simple to say, the Jazz just, as hot as they were in the first quarter, first half, they went cold. Uh they missed seventeen straight shots from the outside before Mitchell hit a three pointer without four minutes stuff in the game. Utah went 0 of ten from the three point range in the third quarter alone. And that I mean, you can't score and you know the clipper started surging ahead. That was enough to maintain that victory. Um aside from Paul George thirty seven and Marcus Morris twenty five with the twenty two from Reggie Jackson, you had thirteen from man and that was really about it. You had some performances from a few guys. Um I mean, in terms of, you know, nine points from Nicholas Batum, five points from Pat Bev, things like that, but it wasn't super impactful there. Whereas for the Jazz, Bob loved the way, and then of course, Donovan Mitchell at 21, Jordan Clarkson at 15, definitely heated up more at home after that just horrible showing in those two games in LA. Rudy Gobert had a double-double, 17 and 10. You know, you had some balance there, but ultimately it wasn't enough, and as good as the shooting ended up being from three, the third and fourth quarter really did the Jazz, and now, they're stuck in a do-or-die situation where the Clippers played without Kawhi. You would have thought that would have been a tremendous boost for the Jazz, and instead it turned to a tremendous um, uh, uh, uplift of momentum for the Clippers to power on in spite of his loss. And now we'll see in two days' time, well, really in a day's time, um, how the Jazz responded in LA. And can they win it and push a Game 7, or will the Clippers go to the Western Conference Finals for the first time in their history and send the Jazz home packing? Be interesting to see what happens right, well that will just about do it here for another episode of round ball ramble make sure to check out hoop ball on twitter at hoop ball tweets online at hoop-ball.com you know where to find me on twitter at corbin mba in case you didn't <laughs> but until next time y'all i am frosty y'all stay frosty and i'll talk to y'all tomorrow <laughs> all right y'all